All right, hello everybody. Welcome back to the Like Stars Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Goodman, and uh, I'm just grateful that you're joining. Got kind of a new direction in the podcast today, slightly different one. Uh, this guy's going to be a little bit, I don't know, not quite what we've been doing the past few months, but hopefully it's good. I want to look at uh, kind of a bigger topic, and I might break it up actually over a few episodes, starting, starting on this one and then maybe the next two kind of building on it. Uh, so... Slightly different direction. Before I do, just want to, you know, kind of the stuff I always say, and I, I really know it gets like repetitive. I, I listen to a few different podcasts and I'm just being honest, when this section of it comes, I'm like, all right, fast forward, fast forward. But I do know why they say it, like the whole like, hey, like it, share it, comment, all that stuff. And it's because the goal of this, the goal of what I'm doing here is to help people learn and grow in their faith. And, and I'm doing this, hopefully that people hear it and read it and whatever, uh, get a chance to listen to it. So when you comment, when you share, when you interact with it at all, whether it's on YouTube or social media, uh, when you subscribe, all that kind of stuff, it actually helps more people see it, which is kind of the goal. Not, uh, not necessarily because again, I'm just trying to get famous. I don't I can care less. Uh, but just because I, I think it's my heart and, and passion in this, that it, uh, it, it has some, good effect. I want to see God bring truth to the world. So I appreciate those of you who do share, who comment, who subscribe, all those kind of things. And uh, as I said a few times again, thank you so much. Uh, keep asking questions. This episode, the next couple, I kind of already have some content, but after that, I'm really wide open and I would love to hear some of your feedback. So drop a question, go to social media, uh, Like Stars Podcast on Instagram, Like Stars on Facebook, at Like Stars Podcast on YouTube, however it is, make sure and leave a comment, say hello, ask a question, and I look forward to hearing from you. Uh, hey, so another opportunity today to talk to you also about the important, valuable uh, people who support the podcast and my uh, massive um, need for another Learjet. I'm talking about uh, those that make this podcast possible. And today your podcast is brought to you uh, by any one of the way too many marry a stranger reality TV shows out there. You know what I'm talking about? You know, where some desperate uh, extra grace required bless their heart, lonely soul convinces themselves that eight minutes of semi-fame is worth completely train wrecking the rest of their life while simultaneously convincing all their friends and loved ones that they are indeed a complete nut job. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder why you haven't been able to find a spouse. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure this one's going to work out great, though. Just go on TV, make a fool of yourself, marry someone you've never met to entertain the mindless masses of Netflix viewers who thought watching this would somehow be better than watching paint dry. It isn't. Listen, listen. I had a nightmare once where a man at gunpoint forced me to take off all my clothes and slide down a 10-foot razor blade directly into a pool of rubbing alcohol. And I woke up in a cold sweat thinking, that is the worst thing I can ever imagine being put through. Well, congratulations, Mary, a stranger reality TV show. You've proved me wrong. Being forced by my wife to suffer through even five minutes of your stupidity is, is worse. And so you, the most vapid, idiotic, and completely unwise, failing attempt at helping people find real, authentic relationships that I've ever seen, you're our sponsor for this episode of the Like Stars podcast. You are literally the worst. And may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> I, 
And with that, let's transition to something serious. Uh, now you might be sitting there wondering, Pete, how are you going to go from that to something serious? I can't. So I'm just going to look. Here's the truth. We'll get started here. I actually was feeling like this episode might be a bit heavier than some of the other ones I've done. I, the, what's kind of stirring in my heart, what I want to share with you guys and talk about. So I just figured I'd start with a little hard, but it is a bit heavier and no real way to transition. Uh, but let me share where I'm coming from and, and where this episode is going and where I might go over the next few. There's been a topic or an idea that's been resonating with me lately. And it's the issue, fundamentally, it was the issue of, of women and their place in the church. Has the church been good to women? Is the church good for women? What do we do about women in ministry? And what do we do about abuses that we often see in church? There's been a lot of them. And as I was sort of processing that, I actually got a book recently and started doing some some research. I want to do some biblical studies on the matter. I had someone this week confide in me, and uh, I'm not going to give details, but sharing with me a great deal of pain and harm that she was done to by male pastors of a church. And I don't mean um, necessarily sexual abuse, although there's plenty of that in the world, but even just the kind of abuse that men often don't even think about the way they're they're and putting upon people. And so I decided to begin to research this, study this. And so I think in the next episode, I'm really going to dive into the theology, the biblical theology of the role of women in the church and all that kind of stuff. And then I may even interview somebody who uh, I think is just a really an amazing woman leader in the church and, and get some thoughts on from her. But where I wanted to start was just the idea of abuse in general it's just, it's been weighing on my heart and hearing her tell me her story just brought back some emotion that I've buried over the years. And I thought, why not do a podcast and tell the entire world about my buried emotion? So I'm going to do that. I want to offer some thoughts about dealing with the reality of our heroes becoming human in the church world. And I want to offer you some ways that I've experienced that in my own life and ways that I've worked through it and the ways that I've asked God to give me wisdom to, to think the right way and find healing and, and come out on the other side of wounds from leaders and still see God move and work in my life and to believe and trust the church again, which I know there's probably some of you listening that are struggling with. So that's what I'm going to do. And this might, I don't know where this podcast episode is going to go. It might get weird. It might not. I don't know. Uh, I'll just, let's just see where it goes. So let me, let me wind the clock back a little bit. Uh, it was the day after my 28th birthday. So over 15 years ago now. But it was one of those days that was just like forever burned in my memory. You know, you have those moments. You, there's probably many of them in your life where you think of a memory and you immediately know where you are. You're like in the moment. You can even smell the smells and see the sights. You're just, you're just there. And maybe it was a good memory. It's a good thing. Or in this case, not a great memory. I had just gotten off work and I was, I was driving across town. I was living in Colorado and I was heading to a prayer meeting at our church. I was in a good mood, listening to music, whatever. I'm enjoying the mountains. Colorado is beautiful. I love living there. And all of a sudden my phone chirps a little bit and I look down and it's a text from my brother in Texas. And 
<laughs> the text was really weird and cryptic. And it was just like, dude, what's going on with your pastor? And I was like, my pastor, what are you talking about? And I ended up calling him and I'm like, what do you, Hey man, what's going on? What are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, like your pastor's like in trouble or something. He got, he got caught with drugs. Or, I'm, like, I'm like drugs. Like, yeah, a gay prostitute. I was like, what are you talking about? Shut up. Oh, this is ridiculous. There's nothing. Just ignore that. Uh, what garbage website have you been looking at? You know, <laughs> my pastor's not on drugs. And I just remember this moment when my stomach started to like sink and my brother goes, no, it's on CNN. And I, almost at the same time that he said that I came over this hill where our large church was situated and I saw this long line of news vans just parked outside. Like I had to like drive around them to get in. It was a very large church and our pastor led a church of thousands. I mean, there were, I don't know, 10, 15,000 people in our church. And he was a huge political figure, very popular. He was the head of the National Association of Evangelicals, one of the most powerful Christians in America at the time. And world famous, had written books, interviewed on national television. I remember Barbara Walters had been to our church and he'd been to the White House, all this kind of stuff. And when I got to the church, it was a Thursday night, we were just having this prayer meeting for this internship I was a part of. I remember looking around all these young adults in the room who we were just kind of a buzz. It was crazy. We saw the news vans. We're hearing the news. This strange feeling. No one knows quite what's going on or what to believe, you know? Everyone had this kind of dazed look on their face, like the world was spinning too quickly to focus. And you could tell everyone in the room wanted to talk about it, and I, and I wanted to talk about it, but no one knew what to say. And we were hearing things. We didn't know what to think, what could be true, all this kind of stuff. And I remember the guy running the meeting, who's a guy that you know, I just respect and love. He gets up and grabs the microphone and just assures everybody, I spoke with our pastor. This is all lies. It's all rumors. People are trying to smear his reputation. The truth will come out. You'll see. And I remember this young guy next to me just gives this big smile on his face. You know, like he exhaled, almost like he'd just been holding in tension the whole night. And this obvious sense of relief washing over him. But honestly, I, I, just, I just had a bad feeling. I'd been around the block before. I was a bit older than some of them. And I was less inclined to, to just feel relief. This would hardly be the first time I had to sit and watch an important figure in the church crash land in a pile of broken lives. I had been there before. Plus, CNN didn't run stories that were all fake. So the next couple of days were a blur. Fragments, more and more truth leak out. Uh, my pastor went from full-on denial to kind of partial acceptance to a full-on admission of guilt by that Saturday where he was fired. And immediately, there's this upheaval. And oh man, it hurt. And it was true. He had been doing drugs. He was involved with a homosexual relationship with a male prostitute. And it wasn't just failure. It was like, oh, what do we make of this? I had some friends in the ministry doing it with me who were actually young men struggling with their own sexuality. And this was just devastating. Uh, I might do a podcast with one of them in the future, hear their story. But like them, I looked up to him so much too. But the pessimist in me, gosh, the pessimist, it just kind of, I remember, I remember seeing the way that one of my friends was just ruined in tears, locked himself in his room the entire day on Saturday and just cried. 
And I kind of found myself shrugging a little bit and just adding his name to this ever-growing list. One more person to make the rest of the world question the truth that I fight so hard to share with people. One more excuse added to the massive list of why people should give up on Christianity and be ex-evangelicals and all that nonsense. I'd seen it so many times, and I've seen it so many times since, and it wasn't even the first time for me. When I was in probably about the third grade, I remember our, our pastor of our church that we were going to one day stole all the church's money and ran off with the secretary. <laughs> I had a church that we found out the, the leadership was investing church's money in third world Ponzi schemes. I've, I've had pastors cheat on their wives. And I, I just, in fact, I had moved to Colorado from my home in Illinois because I actually had been feeling very hurt by the pastor I'd been serving under and was ready to give up on church completely. And I was desperate for some healing and I wanted to go somewhere that uh, I felt like I could believe in this thing again. And so I packed up everything I owned, put it in a trailer and I moved across the country. Didn't know a soul there in Colorado. Rented an apartment online, <laughs> didn't, didn't have a job. I was just desperate because I was hurt and wounded and I wanted to believe again. And within a year, <laughs> that happened. I'm sitting on my couch with some friends watching The Tonight Show on Friday night, listening to Jay Leno crack jokes about my church. So yeah, the pessimist in me was quick to point out that the sad tale of my pastor is no isolated event. Every time I look online, it feels like there's another person doing something stupid to make Christ look bad. Another story about failed leaders. There's this whole podcast out there about Mars Hill that I listen to. It, 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 <laughs> I don't know. I just There's so much in my heart that understood it. Stuff coming out about Hillsong Church, which is a church that's impacted me really positively in great ways. It just makes me sad. And it leaves us with a question. How do we reconcile it? How do you reconcile it? The hypocrisy sometimes we see among Christians, the, these men and women who stand up and tell us to follow them. What's our response to these snake handlers and swindlers and false prophets and money-hungry thieves in religious robes, angry religious zealots spewing hate and anger in the name of Jesus, like all this stuff going on around us. It's like, is anybody doing this right or real? I, it doesn't do any good to pretend they don't exist. And I'm, if you haven't asked the question, you have friends that have asked the question. I would bet every person listening to this has been either themselves or a friend or a close person in your life has struggled with whether or not to keep following Jesus because of the way that leaders, men and women of faith, have taken our tithes and bought Lear jets or abused people for power or gain, preached a gospel about holiness and a certain way of life, did put on marriage seminars only to find out they were cheating on their spouses, and you're just like, what? am I doing? <laughs> Is this real? I've been there. I've been there. I, I've stared into that abyss and questioned whether I wanted to do this anymore. 
There have been moments in my life when I've had to take some time off. But I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still doing this for a living. And now I'm talking about it on a podcast because I believe there's reason to still be here. And those of you who, uh, who've been hurt, I'm sorry. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> um, yeah. What do we do? What do we do? Um, I want to offer some thoughts, not based on <clears throat> um, emotion necessarily, but this podcast is about wisdom. And I don't just think of wisdom as knowledge or intellect. I think of it as God leading us and guiding us. And it's in these moments of deepest pain that we most need God to lead us and guide us, where wisdom becomes so important. So maybe you're dealing with this. Maybe you have a friend that's dealing with this. And maybe something I can offer here about God's wisdom can help you walk through it. So let me give you a few things. And, and the first two, I'll be honest, are more what you might call intellectual answers. But sometimes intellectual answers are needed, right? We need to make sense of things in our brain because... Sometimes the actions of other people feel incongruous. It doesn't line up. This doesn't make sense. It seems illogical that that person on TV talking about Jesus did all that stuff. Does that mean the message is false? So that's the first thing we need to start with. And, and let me give you kind of a basic idea. And this isn't going to shock you. You're not going to be like, what? This is just, but just let it sit. Let it soak in and, and sink into your brain a little bit. And it's this, you, you've probably heard this before. The exception doesn't prove, the exception proves the rule. The exception proves the rule. What do I mean by that? When you hear that phrase, what does it mean? It means that when there is a general rule of way things that are, way they normally should be, an exception is when something stands out from that. And when something stands out from the rule, when it is not the rule, it actually shows us, it demonstrates to us what the rule actually is. So if we are people who believe that there is a different way we are called to live, and then a person doesn't live that way, they're not the rule, they're the exception. And when we look at their lives and we say, that's not, that's not right, that's not, wait, that, there's something wrong with that. The reason that we're saying something is wrong with it is because we know what should be right. We know what the rule is. We know what the target that Jesus set for us is, and that's not it. An exception is something that contradicts the way things are supposed to be. And what can so often happen if we're not careful is we can start to look at the exceptions and think they're the rule. All Christians are this way because these people act like that. And it's like, well, hold on, hold on a second. That's Christianity, those people up there. No, no, the reason we look at those people and say, no, no, that's not right, is because we know what is right. Those people do not represent what Christianity is all about. They are exceptions to it. They shouldn't be confused with the rule itself. It's differently. It's, they go against the norm. You say like, well, things think about why is it bad what they did? When we see a leader abuse someone or lie or cheat or, or, or show obvious signs of hypocrisy or whatnot, why is that bad? Because we know it doesn't align with a different life that Jesus has called you and I to. 
And in this case specifically, you know, no one questions that there are people who label themselves as Christians but do bad things. The problem is when those individuals somehow end up becoming representative for the entire Christian church. That's what drives me nuts and hurts me so much. It's like when people who are outside of Christianity say, oh, you Christians, look at that guy there that is asking you for money and buying limousines. That's all of you. It's like, no, no, that's the exception. That's not the rule. Oh, all you, you're Christian leaders, you're all fake. Look at that guy. He fell. He, he was living a whole double life the whole time. That's what Christianity is. Wait, no, it's not. I don't like it's 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 a cop out. It's it's too easy. It's lazy to just look at a few people who fail and say that's what the whole thing is. No, no. Their failure can be called failure because what's behind it, what they represent, shows us what we're aiming at. We call that failure because Jesus told us what is success. And those who, I don't know, like, seem like they've been elected to speak for all of us. I didn't elect them, whatever. But they're the exception, not the rule. They tell us that this isn't what God wants for our lives. It doesn't, it doesn't congruent. It doesn't align with what Jesus actually taught us. They're the exception, not the rule. We, we abhor that and feel betrayed and let down by their behavior because we know it's not what Jesus calls us to. And when you are hurt, when that person does something like that and it just begins to break you and whew, it's like, it's so easy to just say that's just everybody. That's just Christianity's a crock. It's nonsense. But their failure isn't disproving Christianity. It's standing against what Christianity is supposed to be. And that's important. You know, and Jesus warns us. Jesus warned us. It's not like this is surprising. He told us that people would come in his name and sometimes do horrible things, misrepresenting and abusing his message. He told us to watch out for false prophets and others who are sheep in wolves' clothing. You know, not, and, and that means that there, Jesus even said there will be people who will get into this church thing for nothing more than the desire to be famous and make money and get glory or whatever. Watch out for them. And can I just tell you a little bit from experience? I don't, and this is my, I'm just giving my opinion, okay? This is a podcast, my opinion. I don't believe that there are people out there abusing the gospel, abusing their position in church who started that way. I don't. I've never met them. I've never met anyone who fell from grace or did something horrible, who started out fake. <laughs> the reality is a lot of the people that do terrible things that even now you'd say like false prophet or whatever probably started off with very good intentions, you know, but they're falling away or they're straying from those intentions tells us that there are good intentions. There are, there is good out there. And this is why Jesus calls us to judge people by, he says, judge people by their fruit. And he means by that is like, if you want to know if this tree is healthy, because sometimes all trees kind of look the same. Can you really tell if a tree is unhealthy? Yeah. If you want to know if an apple tree is healthy, look at the apples. If they're, you know, bright red and shiny, okay, you got a good tree. If they're all gross and dying, there's something wrong with that tree. And I think he had to say that because 
he knew that, man, like there are trees growing up all the time in Christianity that start off fine, that don't start off wanting to hurt people or abuse people. But over time, it can seep in and sink in. And Jesus says, man, like, look at the fruit. But again, why is he saying all this? He's saying that because there is good fruit. If all trees were just corrupt and gross, we wouldn't know what a healthy, good apple is. If every apple tree in the world was unhealthy, no one would know what a good apple tastes like. But we do because a bad, unhealthy, rotten apple is not the rule. It's the exception. And a rotten, unhealthy leader abusing people is not the rule. They are the exception. And they actually prove the rule because their behavior shows us it is not what God intended. So before you start just believing this lie in your heart that the church is all another big lie and Jesus is a fraud because of what someone else did, you got to first compare their actions to the life that Jesus lived and calls us to of what scripture actually teaches. If they're being a hypocrite, meaning they're not doing what they're saying, that doesn't disprove what they're saying. It just shows that they are not living up to the rule. There is something better. So that's what we have to ask ourselves. Do the actions of these people line up with it? If they're not, then why are we judging all Christianity? Why are you considering giving up on Jesus when that person isn't actually following Jesus the way he's called, he or she is called to? Like you got to ask yourself that question. You know, part of being a responsible Christian is to think through what the Bible actually says about their actions. Because someone labeling themselves Christian doesn't mean anything. It doesn't, just because someone calls themselves a Christian doesn't mean God is condoning what they're doing. There are a lot of people out there on social media in different places doing stuff saying it's God's will. It ain't. <laughs> but you wouldn't know if you're not comparing it to the rule of God's word. If they don't line up with scripture, we can safely say these people are wolves, they're not sheep. Whether they started that way or not doesn't matter, but they're, they're not what Christianity is meant to be. And if you look closely at the people giving Christ a bad name, more often than not, they're just not living what Christ called them to. I know that's hard, and I know it's just kind of, it's intellectual, it's not, but it's, you got to think about it. You got to let it sink in. There's a reason why what my pastor in Colorado did was called a scandal. It was because his actions were not what Christianity is about. His secret life was the exception, not the rule. So to write God off and the church off and his actions or whatever, ignores the very fact that we call his actions bad because there is something good. And I had to wrestle with that. I had to look that in the mirror in my own life and say, before I give up on this thing, am I giving up because that's a Christian or because that's not what a Christian is aiming at and I'm called to something else? And wrestling with that helped me. It helped me say, no, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let their failure determine whether or not I follow Jesus. Because their failure only shows more and more the goodness of what following Jesus the right way actually brings about. Now, I want to give you a second thing that builds on this. And it's simply this. There are no perfect Christians. <laughs> I began this message by telling a sad story about a man who fell hard and brought a lot of people down with him. You know, I've talked about people who abuse the name of Jesus and do stupid things, bring shame instead of glory to God, who talk about their ideals and beliefs but don't actually live them. But what I haven't said is that I'm no different. Becoming a follower of Jesus hasn't made me perfect. <laughs> you know, 
one of the biggest differences between me and some of those international leaders is that when I make mistakes, the whole world doesn't see it. But I can judge them as being horrible people. (laughs) What about you? Can you say that you're perfect? Can you say that if your life was on a pedestal and everyone was looking at it, that other people wouldn't be let down by your behavior? Becoming a Christian has not made me perfect or free from failure. Even the Apostle Paul said, I mean, I, I just, you know, I think so often when he said this, he talks about, he says, Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says, of whom I am the worst. I am the worst. God showed me the worst of sinners, grace and mercy. Put his patience on display. I am the worst. That's such a tough sentence, but it's a beautiful one. And can I just challenge you, if you're somebody that's struggling with this, man, let that sink in. Take your eyes off that person who wounded you for a moment and put them on yourself. And I'm not, it's not to excuse that person. That's not, I forget, I'm not excusing that person. I'm just saying, I'm the worst. Paul said I was the worst. It's sadly ironic how people on the outside point to all the sinners in the church as a reason to stay away. But they're missing the point because what makes me a follower of Jesus is not that I have it all worked out. It's that I can't work it out by myself. (laughs) And yet God loves me and calls me to work it out with me. And that through Jesus, I've been forgiven of being an idiot and an imposter myself at times. And that this thing called church isn't about getting everybody who's perfect together. It's a community of people who recognize they've been forgiven for their stupidity and are following a different example to, to, with the power of the Holy Spirit, see themselves grow and change and become more. And even the best Christian leader up on the stage is someone just trying to live up to something that they will likely never achieve. If you look closely enough, every professing follower of Jesus is a hypocrite at some point or the other. I know that's hard to hear, but it's true. We're all hypocrites. None of us can be like Jesus completely. And yet we talk about it. We talk about following Jesus and being Christian. Like his standard is perfection. And I haven't reached it, have you? All Christians fail. It's why we run to the cross. It's what makes following Jesus so amazing that despite my failure, he still calls me forward and forward. Despite all the dumb stuff I've done in my life and will probably still do. I've got a few years left to live, hopefully. He's still calling me forward. He's still inviting me to join him on this mission. He's saying, you don't have to be perfect. And when you don't live up to what you believe, there's forgiveness and mercy for you. And I often think about my pastor and just the, just the hell he and his family experienced during that season. I think of the people who probably use his life as an example, an excuse to stay away from Jesus, but and it hurts. But I also think about God's mercy and grace that was poured out to him during that time. How neither he nor I nor you need to be defined our lives by our failures. That despite what we've done, there's there's forgiveness, there's mercy. And yes, it's true. There are people who do overtly stupid things and make horrible mistakes and shame the church. It happens. But they don't define the teachings of Jesus or the standard God has set for me. The fact that they're forgiven does. The beauty of it all is that his church is not full of perfection. It's completely 100% full of people who will never 
completely live up to the standard of Jesus on this side of resurrection. And yet they're loved and accepted anyways. And that's church. And I, I know, listen, and I want to clarify because you might hear that and you say, oh, well, Pete's just saying I should, you know, not worry about all the abuse that's happening because they're imperfect people. It's not what I'm saying. Abuse does need to be dealt with. Leaders who fail need to be dealt with. I, I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying as you personally or people close to you are wrestling through this issue and you're saying, I don't know if I can still follow Jesus. I've seen so much abuse and pain. <laughs> One of my answers to that is, that's why we follow Jesus. Because he alone can bring beauty from those ashes. Nothing else was going to make something good or glorious or, or, or growing and healthy out of that train wreck that was that church. And the cool thing is 15, 16 years later, that church is still thriving. There's still thousands of people there that worship every Sunday. Many of the men and women that work there have gone off and planted their own churches. Like God could still bring something beautiful out of that, and he will. But it's only through Jesus. Nothing else will take brokenness and pain and abuse and ever bring anything good out of it except following Jesus. So why would you ever allow hurt or pain to turn you away from him when he's the only one that can heal it and bring something good out of it? And that, guys, is what I really came to realize in my life as I sat there in these darkest moments and feeling the pain and the hurt of all the people who've let me down, who've claimed to be the better Christian I'm supposed to follow, and they weren't, and I'm just angry and I want to give up. And it's like, where am I going to go? Who am I going to turn to? Is turning away from Jesus going to make it any better? He alone can actually bring beauty from this. He alone is the one that says, actually, you're as broken as that person is. And I want to fix you both. And so I hold to Jesus and I keep following him. Now, almost a side note here. I, I do think that need, means we need to be careful that we are not exacerbating the problem by constantly placing our leaders on pedestals that they will inevitably fall from. There's only one person that belongs on a pedestal in your life, and it's Jesus. Anybody else is an idol. Anybody else is a false god. And when you make humans false gods, ooh, they have a way of crumbling hard. Stop treating leaders like they're Jesus, and you'll be less disappointed when reality sinks in. Treat Jesus like Jesus and the rest of us like those he came to heal and to save and to redeem. Build your life focused on him and the humans in your life that are helping you along the way as just humans. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to fail sometimes gloriously. But I can promise you this. If you put those people on the, the throne of your heart, if you make a pastor or a leader or anybody, a spouse, anybody, the, the thing that you look to for all of your hope and faith, they will let you down because they're broken human beings. I am. <laughs> you are. But when it's Jesus, we're never let down. Let me give you one more thing. This is getting long. <laughs> Sorry. Whatever. It's a podcast. You can turn it off if you want. <clears throat> Pain is a warning light not the steering wheel. Pain is a warning light, not the steering wheel. Look, too often we allow our hurts and our wounds and the things that we're feeling, which are real, they're real, but they are not intended to guide our lives. They're intended to point out there's a problem so that we can course correct. 
It's a categorical mistake in your life to allow your hurt and pain and negative feelings and honestly, even good feelings to guide your life. We are to be guided by truth, not feelings. Feelings come and go. They're not always based on reality. Sometimes they are, but sometimes they're not. And sometimes they're so overly powerful and strong that even if they're based on a real thing, like many of you have been hurt and the feelings you feel are real, they are real and they really do freaking hurt. I get that. But if you let them lead and guide your life, they will lead you astray because feelings are not what guide our lives. Truth is. And you've got to build your life on truth. You've got to be rooted in truth. You've got to be grounded in the wisdom of God so that when your feelings are raging, when you're angry, when you're hurt, when you're broken, when you're frustrated, when you're elated, you're not allowing your life to be drifting in the wrong direction, letting those feelings guide you into things. Say, no, no, it doesn't matter how I feel right now. I am following truth. Man, emotions have such a way of convincing us of lies. We're so susceptible when we're emotional. How many of you listening have ever heard or experienced corrupt politicians abuse the system and not do things that are best interest of America? We all have, right? And we get angry about it. But how many of us have given up on democracy and walked away from it? No, because we know in our heart the truth is this is still a better way to live. We know that in, the truth is, regardless of how many people screw things up, this is still a better way to go than moving to North Korea. Or maybe, have you ever had your heart broken by a loved one? You have, right? You have. Maybe you're in high school and the absolute love of your life decided she liked the quarterback better. You were crushed and wounded. Women are so evil. <laughs> that never happened to me. Uh, but we've all had people break and abuse our hearts and cause us pain and suffering. But if we let that pain make decisions for us, we're soon we're making really bad decisions. We've all seen people who get dumped or broken up with and suddenly they're just doing dumb things. Like, what are you doing? It's because they're letting pain and emotion guide their life. And so often I see Christians who've been abused by Christian leaders. It's terrible. It sucks. I wish it didn't happen. But when it does, it's even worse when they start allowing their pain to guide their decision-making. And they start doing even worse unwise things that bring more hurt and more pain. We understand that people hurt and abuse us and make bad choices and break our hearts. But listen, truth says that doesn't make love untrue. It doesn't make relationships untrue. It doesn't mean we should all become you know, monks and nuns and ignore it. Truth is, no, you can still get through this. There's goodness to be found. This pain won't last forever. There are crooked and corrupt politicians who take us off, but we don't have to give up on democracy. Listen, it's not pain or anger or frustration that should steer your life. It is truth that should steer your life. You're going to have emotion. You're going to have feeling, but it can't be what guides you. An emotional response will lead you astray more often than not. So we need to step back and we need to say what is true. And what is true is the exception doesn't prove the rule. What is true is there are no perfect Christians. And what is true is that Jesus is still good despite what other human beings have done to you. That God still loves you and can help you recover and get over this and move on and deal with this hurt and trust again. I've been hurt. I understand. I understand. If there's anyone that understands, I understand. Trusting won't come easy to some of you. You'll struggle. Some of you can't even go to church. You can't even listen to someone preach. And maybe it's not even, maybe you, maybe you come to my church and you can't even listen to me preach. You're like, I don't even know Pete, but any pastor preaching, I'm just angry about because of what pastors have done to me. I've been there. I've been there. 
I've had to forgive people that didn't even hurt me just because they reminded me of someone who I had at the risk of maybe being a little borderline heretical here. I've had to forgive God. Now, maybe that's another podcast. <laughs> I'm not saying that God needed my forgiveness, but I had to give it to him because I was pissed at him. Why did he... Why did he send me to that church only for that leader to ruin me? Well, he didn't ruin me, <laughs> but I felt it. And if I had allowed my feeling at the time to guide me, I would have been resentful towards God forever. I'd have given up on ministry. And who knows what I'd be doing in my life right now. But instead, I let truth lead me. And the truth was, God loves me. God didn't cause this to happen. God didn't force that pastor to do that. God was probably as brokenhearted as I am and others are, maybe more. God sees all the pain that guy caused. I only see the pain he caused me. And I had to let that go. I, and I remember once I told God I forgive him, and I think that was theologically incorrect, <laughs> but I don't think he cared. I think he just loves me so much. He said, all right. Um, don't write that in a theological textbook. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just talking. But some of you might need to. Some of you are holding on to some hurt. You're holding on to some pain. You're blaming God, and it's time to let it go. Living truth instead of pain calls us to keep rising up and keep going. It says, I know the truth of who Jesus is and what he called me to, and I'm not going to let what other people have done train wreck my life with Jesus. I'm going to recognize they're as imperfect as I am. Yeah, it sucks they're in leadership, and maybe they need to be held accountable. They probably do. I'm all for that. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. I recognize what they did was wrong, but I know it's wrong because Jesus shows me what is right. So I'm going to keep following Jesus because he's the only one that truly knows what is right. He's the only one that can lead us out of this mess. And you know, maybe I'll end with this. One of the most amazing things about those experiences is, and I know this is cliche. I'm sorry, but it's true. They've made me better. Um, I'm not saying God did it on purpose to help Pete Goodman. I'm, I'm just saying they have, they've made me better because I remind myself often of the pain. And every time I remind myself of the pain, it pushes me to make sure I'm not doing the same thing to other people because I am imperfect and I can. Things that maybe had I not gone through those experiences, I would have been more likely to delve into and dabble in that would have brought ruin in my life and people's lives. It was the pain of seeing it in others that just sort of kept me a little bit of straight and narrow. God graciously did, I guess. So there's good in it. And I've seen redemption. I've seen healing. I've seen some of those pastors who fell get back up, restore their relationships, restore their ministries, restore their marriages. It's possible. It's not hopeless. Um, and, and I don't know. It just really is. I... I don't know how to land this plane. Sorry. Um, I guess I'll end it this way and say, maybe you're listening to this episode and you're just like, I was just hoping for another talk about theological stuff like predestination. You're like, that was heavy. I, you know, whatever. This is just as much theology as predestination is because theology is the logic or understanding of God. And one of the hardest things to understand about God is why he lets this crap happen. There might be nothing more theologically Ugh, questionable and uncertain and confusing than why Christian leaders hurt us so much. And I think 
I can't answer that question of why God allows it to happen. I, I mean, he does. I know he gives us free will. That's another podcast. But I can say that I have a decision how I'm going to react. I can choose to think clearly about the truth that that person's failures do not define what it means to be a Christian. That person's failures do not mean that Jesus isn't worth following. They just show me even the more so that he's the only one worth following. Their failures, despite all the pain and all the hurt and anger and frustration, tell me that there's something better on the other side. If I'll keep going after Jesus, I'll choose to forgive and love anyway. Because nothing's more abusable than love, right? All right. Um, let's end there. Uh, like I said, I one of the areas too where abuse happens a lot, and I don't just mean abuse like physical or sexual, which is a big deal, but even just abuse of power and things like that, it, it comes down oftentimes this issue of women in the church, and I want to talk about it. Has the church, Christianity, been good for women? And that's a great question. Um, what role should women play in the church, and have we been fair? Are there places that male leaders haven't done a good job? I, I want to talk about that in the next episode. Um, I'm going to do some more research and more study and more talking, and then maybe even bring someone on to talk with me about it who has experience in the area. So I don't know. We'll see how that goes. It'll be a new one for me. But uh, hopefully there was something valid or helpful in this. And uh, if not, the next one will maybe be better. It might not. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, guys, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for it's odd that I'm just sitting here in a room talking to myself about such things, but some of you are out there in your cars or taking a walk or sitting on your computers and you're listening to this. And I think that God is speaking to some of you and saying it's time to forgive and let go. It's time to reach out to that person who wounded you, make amends, see him do something new, see a garden grow where there's only been ashes because that's what our God does. All right, have a great day week, couple weeks. We'll see the next one's out. Um, and uh, looking forward to seeing what else we get to talk about in the future. Again, please let me know if you have any comments or questions. If you need to talk to somebody about this, this was heavy. Shoot me an email. Shoot me Pete at Um Yeah, I don't know. Find me on social media or maybe I have some friends who are females who, who maybe have done some counseling if you're out there and want to talk to a female. I, however I can help, I want to be of service to you. Um, if you're somebody that's come through the other side stronger, share it in the comment section. Tell us how you've seen God bring great things despite pain. Because um, he's worth talking about. Amen. All right, everyone, have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. See you. you consume me and I burn.